Do uh, sit down. Welcome if you've joined us since we got uh, started. As I say, there are three sheets at the back that you all should have, but we won't need them uh, for a little while. Um, so the title of this evening is Living Free, What's Next, um, in, in one sense. Uh, the first thing to say uh, is that Living Free is not um, like a GCSE uh, Italian lesson that once you've done it and got your exam at the end of it, uh, you don't have to do it again. Um, uh, that's not the point of Living Free in any way, shape, or form. I've been involved in running Living Free and teaching on it uh, four or five times now. I've been involved in the organizing and running of it and taken part in it over 10, 11 times. And each time I come to do Living Free, I learn something new. Uh, each time I come and teach Living Free, I learn something new, uh, often about myself. Um, uh, but often also about what God says about me. So um, the very first thing to say is uh, it's not over. Um, so if uh, when I said last time you'll be doing the teaching in the evenings, you're thinking, well, I've heard that teaching already. I promise you God will speak to you afresh through it. Uh, I've not met one person who has done Living Free more than once that hasn't said that. Uh, so uh, be, be assured in that. The key things that you needed to have picked up uh, from the teaching, uh, I think are threefold. Uh, the first is um, how God sees each and every one of us. Um, you'll remember back in the very beginning of the course, we did God's original design for our lives. And I showed, Andy, if you could put the picture of the uh, garden up. I showed this picture, uh, if we can find it, of, uh, of, a, of a garden covered in weeds. Uh, to distinguish sort of this idea of how life gets so confused and uh, things sneak in and disappear. And you can look at that and think, goodness, it's like a, a big ball of wool that's all different types of color. That you, how do you even uh, begin uh, with it? I think we take that down again and we'll come back to, to that in a moment. But the key, first the key thing is that uh, this isn't God's original design for our relationship with him. This isn't God's original design for how we view ourselves. When you were prayed for on Saturday uh, or whenever it was, the things that people wrote down is not the extensive list of what God thinks about you. If there was one thing on the list, it's not that he thinks one thing about you. He thinks a whole host of things. Uh, it's just that those are the things that, uh, that uh, were revealed on Saturday uh, or whenever it, whenever it was. This is an ongoing process. Uh, just this morning, God um, spoke to me afresh about something new uh, that he was saying to me and uh, uh, in my life. It happens and continues to happen, should continue to happen as we grow in our relationship with him. Which leads me to um, my second thing, which I hope you have picked up and, and grasped or understood from the course, perhaps better language, is the reality of the spiritual realms that are around us. There is far more going on uh, than, uh, than we know or can see around us. And that leads nicely into the third, which is that hearing God speak to us should be our expectation and not our exception. As I say, I don't know where I've got that phrase from. I've almost certainly nicked it, but I like it. Um, it should be our expectation to hear God speak to us. We should be able to see in the spiritual realms. That picture of the golden walls was not just a picture. It was our walls in the building. We, I was seeing something of the spiritual realms in this place when we saw that picture. That's what we should be asking the Lord, to open our eyes, to see what's going on, opening our eyes and opening our ears uh, so that we can see him and hear him. 
And unless we're completely living exactly as God um, has designed us to be, unless we're, uh, we're doing every part of our lives at every moment, submitted to him and hearing him speak and doing as he uh, asks, um, unless we're in perfect relationship with him, knowing exactly what's going on in the spiritual realms in any given situation, we still have a way to go. That means all of us still have a way to go. Um, and uh, we can continue to learn and to understand. Some of the things we'll talk about tonight is how, what we do next. But recognizing that we have to do something next is probably uh, the first, uh, first thing. I've known so many people who have done... Sorry, Ruth, if this is creeping into what you're going to say in a minute. But um, I've known so many people who have had Living Free, the original design prayer, read it and gone, oh, that's so lovely, that's really affirming, put it in a drawer and not looked at it for uh, 15 years. Uh, and uh, it's probably an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Just put it, put it away, hidden it away. That's not the idea of it. You can do that. You can ignore it. You can put it in a box. You can forget about it. You can forget that the spiritual realms are going on. Uh, you can forget that Jesus wants to talk to you, that conversation is our expectation, not uh, our exception. You can do that. I would put it to you that life would not be as fulfilled. Life would not be uh, um, as good and as it is when we're in relationship with God and growing into the person that he wants us uh, to be. Uh, one of the uh, things you could do next as a practical next step, if you haven't read it, uh, you could buy and read this book, uh, Soul Keeping by uh, John Ortberg. Uh, it's a fantastic book, talks into many of the themes that we've talked about in the course. Um, the Soul Keeper, uh, understanding of the Soul Keeper, comes from a story uh, that's in the very beginning. I'm not going to read the story to you, I'm just going to sort of paraphrase it to you, about a stream keeper. Uh, and the picture that it gives is of uh, a town in the Alps somewhere. And uh, the town is at the bottom of a hill with a beautiful river uh, going by. It's crystal clear waters. People come from all over uh, the world to, to play in the waters, to, to rest and relax in the waters. Children play in it all the time. Uh, and the town that sits on the river uh, employs somebody who's called the stream keeper. And his job is to live in the mountains at the very top. Um, and to uh, take out any debris that goes in, any animals that happen to die and, and fall into it, clear any blockages from the streams, that's his job. Now, as happens in all councils, if you've ever been involved in any council, uh, there were some funding cuts and they needed to make some, 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 some uh, savings. And so they decided, well, the stream keeper is a job that we don't really uh, need anymore. And so they made him uh, or her redundant. And for a while, nothing happened. The water was still clear, children still came and played, uh, and people, tourists, tourists still came. But after a while, all the muck, all the murk, all of the uh, things from the, uh, the animals and the trees and the things that have fallen into the stream began to make the water dark and muddy, began to make it not a pleasant, made it sm made smelly. And suddenly, people didn't come to the town anymore. Suddenly, children didn't play in the river, and nobody uh, congregated around it anymore. And so, realizing this, they uh, reinstated the streamkeeper. Again, he uh, cleared all of the entry points, and again, this river ran clear again. The life of the village, it says, depended on the health of the stream. And it says, the stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. 
the idea of this book is to think about actually what are we putting in to our souls? How are we feeding? How are we living? And what is the output of our lives? Are we in relationship with God? And what does that look? What impact does that have on our lives? I've got. I've asked two people to share um, some testimony uh, this evening. One not related to uh, living free and original dying. One is, and, and the, they're doing them in that order. So you know, Ruth, I haven't told you in advance. So I'm going to ask Gillian to to come up. Um, Gillian joined us about six months ago, five months ago. Uh, uh, because I'm married to Jess and everybody introduces her as Adam's wife, I really don't want to introduce you as John's wife, but uh, you are well, John's wife. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a factually correct thing to say, isn't it? But uh, Jenny's going to share with us um, something that's happened in her life over the last year or two. Right. Well, life's a journey. And some journeys are quite sort of um, predictable and others are not. And the journey that John and I have been on in recent years has kind of blown us away a wee bit, especially because we're now here. Um, but our journey, I suppose, started um, in October 2015 when we both became grandparents for the, same, for the first time. Now, that was wonderful. I was very excited. I wasn't working at the time, and I thought, great, this is my new role. I'm going to be a hands-on gran. And uh, I was lo loving it. And um, otherwise, we were not particularly happy. We weren't particularly challenged or settled in Edinburgh at the time, and we were going to a church, but John was working in another church, so we weren't actively involved in either church, and we were kind of in a rut, sort of not really knowing where we fitted in. And I was just, you know, being a gran and enjoying meeting friends for coffee and not doing very much and wasn't very fulfilled. Um, anyway, um, one day... So he was born in uh, October 2015. In uh, April 2016, one day after a morning service, um, I was having coffee with a friend, and she just said to me, would you like me to pray for you? And I thought, yeah, well, I could, fine. I didn't feel the sermon had said anything particular to me. I didn't think that when she was praying for me, anything special happened. But while she was praying for me, I got this very, very vivid picture and I've only ever had one picture in my life, and that had been quite a long time ago. So this picture was a picture of an an two animals plowing a field. My attention was drawn to the soil and how much it was being churned up. Um, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what that was all about. We went home. And by the end of that Sunday, somebody out of the blue, friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, had posted a video of two cows plowing a field in some remote Mongolian outback or something. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I didn't know these people, didn't even know who it had come from, but it was there on my news feed. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Anyway, the next day, uh, in the afternoon, I picked up a book that I'd started reading about healing, and a sentence jumped off the page at me, and it said, um, two brothers dragged their mother to a healing meeting at the manse, up the gravel driveway, leaving furrows like a ploughed field behind them. I thought, wow, that's another reference. 
I had my cup of tea, sat and thought about it, and then I thought, as I got into the habit of doing, I thought, I think I'll just watch Escape to the Country. And you've guessed it. Guess where they were? The Plough Inn. And I was like, oh, God's trying to tell me something. I don't know what it is. Um, anyway, life went on, and that was the April. Um, in the June... Our middle son and his wife and family were on holiday visiting her parents in America. And they came back and they said, we've got a transfer to America. And I was just gutted. So on the 31st of August 2016, they moved to America and took our 10-month-old grandson with them. And at the same time, in the November our youngest son got married to a girl we didn't really know who we'd met on, on holiday in Vietnam. We hadn't had a chance to really get to know her. So all of a sudden, I'd lost my grandson and I'd become empty-nested and my children were leaving Edinburgh. Uh, I was just, you know, I was just felt bereft. I'd, this empty-nest syndrome came on and I felt very directionless. And at the same time, John was getting very discontented in the church job that he had, and he was feeling he'd lost challenge and uh, wanted something more. And he decided that he would probably just resign. So um, he'd made that decision, and then all of a sudden, the youngest son said, we've decided to move to Buckinghamshire. Maybe I got it mixed up there somewhere. Anyway, um, so that was July 2017. Ewan and his wife moved down to Buckinghamshire. So it was very close. So Ewan, Stuart had moved to America and had to come back for the wedding in the November, much to his annoyance. Um, anyway, so John left his job in the August, and we thought, we'll go down to Buckinghamshire and we'll go and see where they've gone to live. And whilst we were there, we thought, we'll go to a church um, just for a change. So we went to Gold Hill Baptist Church uh, in the Chalfonts area and they were inviting people to go for prayer ministry. And we thought, well, let's go. We don't know what we're doing with our lives. Let's see what God's got to say to us. Um, so we did. And we had some very interesting words of knowledge. We were told, without them knowing anything about us, we were told to leave everything behind, to bring nothing with us, to put aside status, to draw a line under everything we had ever been responsible for, to be patient and not to jump into first thing that was offered to us. Really interesting, we thought. And uh, quite soon after that, there were two things that came along and we went through a process and we had decided not to go along with that. Um, so we, with the background of all of this, um, it was amazing in March last year that a group from Nashville came to our church in Edinburgh and they were offering to do prophecies for people. And we were encouraged to queue up out outside a classroom because we met in a big school uh, and go in and uh, receive words of knowledge. And I thought, well, I'll just do that because I don't know what we're doing. We'll go and see if God's got any ideas. So I went in sat down in front of this girl and um, she, I, she said to me, Gillian, do you like sewing? And I said, no, not really. 
And she said, but I, d I actually think that God has got your future tailor-made. And I also see that there's a compass. And God wants you to go on live, to live on something that's like a big ship. But you've not to put your confidence in that ship. You've to put your confidence in Jesus and your security in Jesus. Um, and this adventure would not be shipwrecked. And they also said, which I discounted, she also said, and you're going to have a Joan of Arc faith. And I thought, great, I don't want to be burnt at the stake. <laughs> what on earth does that mean? Um, so we went home and we thought about it. And we'd just come back from Lanzarote and we'd thought to ourselves, we'll go out there for the winter and we'll get involved um, in a church there. And we thought that would be something to do, something to get involved in. Uh, something that would stretch our faith. And I thought this might have been about that. But then we thought about it. If we were away all winter and we came back, what would we do then? So John said, actually, I think I'll just keep applying for jobs. So he was applying for secular jobs at the time uh, and didn't get anywhere. And then I said to him, you know, you really enjoyed working in the church. Maybe you should be looking at Christian websites. So we started looking at Christian websites. And to cut a long story short, this job came up and we got it. And God moved us down here. So we feel very much that God led us here and that we're here by divine appointment for whatever reason. Um, and going back to the very original picture that I had about the plough, I was absolutely thrilled on Saturday that whilst I was being prayed for, I got a picture myself of this fantastic cornfield. And the corn was standing, held, you know, head held high in the breeze, and it was swaying against a beautiful blue sky. And the field had surround, surrounding it green trees. And as I looked at this picture, it really encouraged my heart, because I thought, gosh, the ground has been churned up, and here, the crop has grown, and maybe that's a picture for me. And interestingly enough, there was a very small path that had started to be made through that cornfield, the sort of path that, as children, we make through long grass on our hands and knees. And it had only just started, and I couldn't make it go any further in. And it really spoke to me, and I thought, God, we're here and what have you got in store? And I was just so encouraged. And I continue to feel very encouraged. Um, and I hope that's encouraged you too. Amen. Oh, and I should say, when we went to Warwick Castle, we walked into a room and it was all about Joan of Arc. And I just thought, oh, wow. So, you know, it keeps going on. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I think the line that I most particularly enjoyed there, which I wrote down, is uh, you said to John, let's see what God's got to say to us. Uh, and I really like that. I think that's probably the why I asked you to, to, to talk, because you told me that already. And actually, um, uh, I could have told you about the ways God has been guiding me, and I already have millions of times. Actually, it's good to hear that God guides all of us. Uh, and, uh, and actually, that's really kind. Thank you very much. Should we just say thank you? Thank you. Um, I, I asked you to bring with you the things that you uh, um, had shared with you uh, on Saturday, uh, and what I'd like you to do 
just for five minutes or so, if you are willing, uh, is turn to somebody near to you. Uh, it can be somebody you know or somebody you don't know. Whichever of those two things is easier. Uh, and just share with them how you found the experience on Saturday. Um, maybe if you're happy, share some of the specifics. You don't have to do that. Uh, you can just talk about, uh, in general, how you found the experience. Um, and if you really don't want to share it, you, you, there, is no, uh, there is no weeping or gnashing. That idea makes you weep and gnash of teeth. Don't worry. Uh, you can just sort of very carefully pray through and say, Lord, what, which of this do you want me to think about most today? Uh, and nobody will mind. But if you could just share with one another. Uh, five, I'll give you five minutes. Uh, we're not having group time at the end to, to chat today. Just so, that, so have five minutes now. Okay. Thanks. So, um, I'd like to introduce you to someone else. Most of you will know because you've probably been here almost as long as anyone else in the. Uh, that's possible. Just looking around. You and Anne, possibly? Anne's been here before. Like Anne was been here before, like yes. Two years before me. Though. There we are. Um, Ruth has been in the church for a very long time. Uh, if, that, if that is true, this is Ruth, in case you didn't know. Uh, uh, she is also part of our uh, prayer triplet who uh, run our prayer ministry for us. Uh, and she's going to share, I'm not going to preemptively say anything in case I take what she uh, wants to say, but um, she's going to share a little, particularly about original design and what we do uh, next. Thank you, Ruth. I can't see you when I put my glasses on, but I'm actually going to read what I've, what I've written because otherwise I'll probably waffle. And then I'll sit down and think, oh, I didn't mention that and I didn't mention that. So I do apologize if I read it, but I know I'll, I'll keep on track if I read it. Uh, I'm actually standing here because I said to Adam, Adam, what are we going to do next after living free? Is there going to be anything else that we do? And then I got this email from Adam saying, oh, can I chat to you about this, Ruth? And maybe you could say something. And I thought, oh, goodness, I don't really know about that. But this is me saying something. So, <laughs> so what is it we do next after we've done the living free course and as we, after we've had our original design prayer? We don't want it to be just another course that we can actually tick off and think, okay, I've done that, I'm sorted, I know everything about this. We want it to be life-changing and actually a lifestyle. And as the title says, to enable us to live free. We actually need to encourage each other in what we've heard. So it's not something that just happens to me individually, but it's what's happened to all of us that have done it in the church. But I wonder, is anybody like me Someone recommends me to buy a book, so I buy a book. I put it in the bookshelf, and I sometimes think that by just having it there, I've read it and I've absolutely absorbed everything that's been said. Or I buy a DVD about uh, keeping fit. I watch it, but I don't actually do the exercises, and I think that it's actually, I'm much fitter now because I've watched this DVD. But we don't want actually doing the course to actually have that effect on us. We want it to be different. We want our original design to be, don't want our original design to be like that. We don't want it to be put in a safe place, as Adam said, and forget about it. No, it's something we need to pray over before God, pray it into our lives, and share it with our friends. Having the prayer and doing the course is the start of a lifestyle change. As we were told, 
some of the pictures and words we were given would confirm who we are. And some might still be a mystery, but by faith we believe that it's what God's speaking to us and how he created us to be. Some of us will have been thrilled by our original design prayer, and it confirms who we are. And somebody said to me it was just spot on. Some will be puzzled and maybe need some help in praying it through. Some of us may have laughed and some of us may have cried. I've had a number of original design prayer appointments and the first one made me cry as it resonated with my spirit, as I felt God was speaking right into my life. Other ones have been a bit more puzzling, but all helped to make up the picture of who I am and how God created me. I'm sorry to say that my early uh, original design prayer appointments were put on a safe place and only looked at occasionally. <laughs> but having just done the Living Free course again, with Adam's help, I realize it's something I need to regularly read and pray into my life. So please keep me accountable, those of you who know me. Living out the Living Free principles is an ongoing process. As we work through the material, we've been taught, we need, we need each other to, as followers, as fellow believers to talk things through and pray together. Sometimes our work can be hard going and we need the encouragement of our Christian friends to listen to God for us and pray accordingly or ask the question, what's actually going on in the, heaven, in the spiritual realm at this point in time? And we need guidance about how we can pray. What in our life is holding us back and stopping us from walking in freedom? We can listen to what God is saying to us. We can all hear him, so we can all ask that question. We need to press in, be transparent and honest with ourselves and trusted friends, whether it's in our prayer triplet, our formations, or our small group, and step-by-step step walk into our freedom. It's an exciting journey as we travel together. I first heard about this type of ministry about 10 years ago when I heard Stuart Lee speak at New Wine. It thrilled my soul and I said to God, I'd love to know more about this and be involved in this. God heard the cry of my heart and after one slow step after another, I've been moved into the point that it is now this time. Adam doing this course is God's answer to my prayer and I thank him, Adam and God. This is a whole church lifestyle and ministry. We can all be changed as we listen to God and encourage each other. So let's move forward together and fight for each other. I just want to read a couple of passages again from Ephesians. So if I can do that, and this is actually in the message. So it's Ephesians 3, 14 to 19 is the first one. My response is to get down on my knees before God, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimension of Christ's love, reach out and experience the breadth, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. He can do anything you know, 
far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And then I just want to read Ephesians 6, 13 to 18, which is, Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over, by the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Amen. Thank you very much. Let's give Ruth appreciation. So that's brilliant. Thank you so much, Ruth. Wonderful. So there are a number of things that we can do next, some of the things Ruth's just been saying. Um, the first thing we need to do is, is this identity idea and grasp hold of who it is that God has designed us uh, to be. Uh, you can do that in a whole heap of ways. Uh, there is no fixed method of whatever will work for you. What I've been doing for the last uh, four or five, maybe six years now, is uh, each week when I have an extended time of quiet with the Lord, I'll take something from my original design and I'll ask God, okay, what is it uh, in this that you want to say to me at this moment in time? What is it that you want to teach me? What is it you want, how do you want me to live as you have designed me to uh, this, at uh, this moment? It's a practical way you could do it. Uh, all sorts of other ways you could uh, do it. I often ask God now which of the pieces of original design he wants me to focus on as well. And of course, if you're sat there still thinking to yourself, I'm not sure um, I can hear God speak well for myself. Um, uh, first and foremost, God, as Ruth said, God want, does speak. God wants you to hear him. Hearing him speak to us should be our expectation, not our exception. Um, we've got some hearing God's voice training going on at the well on Thursday the... 4th of March, I believe. I will be told by my learned colleagues uh, in a moment if the date is incorrect. We'll let you know that. Uh, and we'll be doing more Hearing God's Voice training sessions that, like the one we did uh, at the end of the Living Free course, which I know many of you came to. 14th of March, there we are, sorry. Um, uh, if you can come along to that, do. If you can like the Living Free, come along again to the Hearing God's Voice. And if you still struggle with this, come and chat to us. Um, Alison Scott particularly, but these guys as well, um, has got ex considerable experience in coming alongside people who have never heard God speak before and working with you in, and working with them in order um, to do that. Uh, you can, as I say, buy this book. Um, I just flash it at you again, Soul Keeper by John Altberg. Um, if you're in a small group and you're, um, or you're leading a small group, Fulham have um, developed a five-week course called Stepping into the Supernatural. Uh, I know uh, the group that John and uh, Gillian uh, are part of have just started to look at that uh, together. If you'd like some details about that, uh, let me know. I can send it to you. It comes with a small video and, and some small group resources. Uh, I'm asking you to ask me about that because it comes with a 
slight bit of health warning thing that I would send with it, which is too long to go into at the moment. So um, that's why I've said that rather than just send that straight out to you. Um, uh, but it is excellent. It comes, it's come out of Fulham uh, and it picks up on many of the themes uh, that we have. First, uh, you can write down, your, you don't have to keep it on these scraps of paper. I had intended to show you the picture again of uh, my original design that Jess has drawn uh, for me. And, and she's an artist and she, she's drawn it out for me. Um, if that would be helpful for you, um, she's said that she's happy to, uh, to do that for others as well. Uh, and if you wanted her to do that, she would. Uh, and she appreciates daffodils as payment. Uh, <laughs> Joking, she doesn't really need payment at all. Uh, but it's, it's actually because one of the gifts God has given her is art, and particularly prophetic art. Uh, and actually having an excuse to do that is a good thing for her as well. So if that would be something that would be helpful for you, let me know or let her know, uh, and she would uh, do that. Have it and use it, as Ruth has said, as I've said. Don't put it in a drawer uh, and forget about it. Uh, the, the second part of what I want to talk about this evening is what comes against us living in these things. These are all lovely things. There are far more than you've got written down on your piece of paper that God says about you. There's far more things that God says about you than is just written on the uh, Christian birthright cards, which uh, you, you will have, as well as more by the door. There's far more that God says about you that's to be revealed. But there are things that come uh, against us uh, in living in these. These are the strongholds that we talked about in that uh, session. It's not my intention uh, to repeat that uh, session. Um, but strongholds are uh, patterns, thought patterns that stop us from living uh, in the design that God has for us. Uh, there is a whole list of these. And if you get this restoration worksheet out, this again is not an extensive list of strongholds. This is not every stronghold. What this is, is a direct relation uh, to this. Um, this is 102 pages long, uh, and is worksheets for every one of the strongholds that's written on here. Um, it's my intention to email this document to you this evening. I've not printed a copy for each of you because it's 102 pages long, and some of you will put it in a drawer. Um, uh, if I'm going to be honest, I suspect, as I did for the first time when I got it. Um, so it's my intention to email it to you so you've got an electronic. If you really can't cope with an email copy, I have got five copies that the office have kindly printed off uh, for you, but please use the email one if you can. And what is in here is just all of these, I don't actually know how many there are, seven... 14 um, strongholds there. Um, you'll remember at the end of each of the last four or five sessions of Living Free, we went through different strongholds. We went through control, uh, we went through fear. Um, uh, I'm forgetting the other ones that we went through. Um, rejection was the other one that we went through together. We're going to go through one together in a moment um, as well. Uh, these are just those worksheets. So they're four or five pages each. Uh, they have different ways to recognize uh, those, uh, that is stronghold in your life. And then a simple prayer for you to pray through. Um, two things to say. The first thing to say is that this is not my document. This is Christchurch Fulham's document. Uh, it is ineditable, ineditable by me. Uh, that was a hard word. I'm sure there's a better word than that. Um, 
And so um, some of the language in it is not the language I perhaps would use myself. Uh, and so don't get too hung up on that if that's the case. Uh, talk to me if you, if you want to. I have a close relationship with Fulham. I have no issue with it. Uh, but I, I would perhaps put it in different wording if it was me creating this document. Um, so just bear that in mind. Uh, the other thing to bear in mind is as you read through, and it's not my intention to do this today this evening, these 14 here, um, or as you read through this document, I suspect you will probably have one of two uh, responses. You may, you may have another one, but you may have one of two. The first one is to read down it and go, no, that's not me, 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 that's not me. If that's you, uh, I have an additional worksheet on pride, um, uh, which... <laughs> You can email me uh, if you're not too proud uh, to get hold of. Um, the other, which I think is probably far more likely, is that you read that and go, oh, no, that's me. Oh, that's me. Oh, no, that's me. Oh, I've got that. No, I've definitely got that. I've got that one. Oh, no. That's probably more likely the response. The reason for that is go back to that picture of that garden again. Um, and the weeds. If you see, there's a whole mash of weeds. And it's because of the way that the world is, the way that we are, the way that we grow, is that we have little bits of lots of these things. Some of them are deep. Some of them take a lot uh, to get rid of. Some of them are nothing. There's nothing there. There's nothing to be concerned with. It's just a little bit of this. Um, if you feel condemnation as you read these, it isn't the Lord. That isn't the Lord. The Lord wants you to be free of these things. He does not condemn. He comes to set free. Um, and the point of this is for us to be free of the things that are here. Um, now, I am still and continue will for, for the rest of my life working through these. Uh, and at different times in my life, I work through different ones. Um, and uh, I suspect that will be the case for you. Don't be overwhelmed, is what I'm saying. Please hear me say that. Please don't be overwhelmed uh, by, by these, uh, this document, which I, I will send to you. Um, how do we develop strongholds? Um, one of the things that uh, I try to get people to do when they're thinking about strongholds is to think about what caused that, and then what caused that, and then what caused that, and then what caused that. Um, in Scripture, uh, we see this in Ephesians. Ephesians 4.27, don't let the devil get a foothold. The word foothold is the Greek word topos, uh, and it means access, essentially. Don't give the devil, don't give the evil one access. What is it that gives us access in our lives? Uh, you'll need the orange, bright orange sheet uh, for this. Um, I'm not going to go through all of these in detail. I'm just going to talk about, very briefly, the things that end up learn, going in to strongholds. And then I'm going to give you an example from my life. Uh, the first thing that gives the evil one access, as it says in, in, in Ephesians, is our own sin choices. The things that we do wrong, uh, the things that we're more than capable of uh, doing things wrong. We're more than capable of giving the devil a foothold in our lives by our own choices. Second thing, our love deficits. Um, if you've not come across this language before, this is where perhaps in, potentially through childhood, uh, the, we're, all, we're all created for 100% God quality love. That's how God created us. And yet we live in a fallen world. And so no matter how fantastic and brilliant your parents were, and no matter how fantastic and brilliant your, uh, your family were, um, 
we don't create that 100% God quality love for, for those around us. And so love deficit is this idea of the difference between the, what we were created for by God uh, and what we receive from those around us. Um, generational sin, um, and I've, I've not, I'll come back to this in a second. Uh, actually, I'll say that again. Generational sin is stuff that's happened in our family line, past history, that's not our responsibility but still has an impact in our life. Read through the Old Testament, you'll see time after time generational sin is talked about. I've not actually included anything particularly on love deficits or general, uh, generational uh, sin here um, because there's so much other stuff uh, to be getting on with. Um, if you would like, I've got some details on both, I can send it to you uh, particularly if that's of interest to you. Um, I will come back to generational sin on one point when we get around uh, to the last one in a moment. Other things that cause access is trauma caused by accidents, witnessing accidents, abuse, violence, witnessing abuse or violence around. That can cause an access point, cause a stronghold to develop. Word curses, things said to us. Uh, this is one that's caused an access point for me. I'll come back to that in a second. Soul ties, inappropriate relationships uh, with people, be that sexual or be that not sexual. Um, inappropriate relationships, soul ties. Uh, and lastly, the occult. There's a whole two pages on the occult on the back there. And on the very back, uh, there is a list of various things that are considered uh, occultish practices. Um, and some of those you will look at and go, oh gosh, that's very harmless. How is, how is that, why is that on the list? This is a document we give to people getting baptized here, um, actually. We go through this document with them uh, now um, in one form or another. And I think that quote, which I said when we did the um, uh, Two Realms talk from C.S. Lewis, sums it up. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devil. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Um, there may well be things on there that you go, gosh, in my past I've done that. And if you haven't repented of that, if you haven't declared that Jesus is Lord over those areas, then let me encourage you to do that as a first step. Now, I said that, um, uh, brain work, uh, that uh, the generational sin uh, and the occult is, has a link. And the link in it uh, is a number of things, but uh, the Freemasonry is one of them. Um, Freemasonry is not a way to salvation. Freemasonry is a distortion of the gospel. Um, and uh, if you want me to, I can send you a whole load of paper on that uh, so you can understand it better. But trust me, it is a distortion of the gospel. Jesus is Lord. He's the only way to salvation. Um, what often happens, what often stops us often hearing God is a generational history of Freemasonry in our family line. And so if you're aware of that, you can repent on behalf of your family and come back into line and again, agree that Jesus is Lord uh, over, over this. So I say that with a whole heap of pastoral sensitivity as I can give in any case and just say, uh, often, particularly if it's on our family line, it's not, it's not our fault that it's there, but we still come before Lord and we say to God and say, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the way to the salvation. You are the way, as it says up there, uh, the way, the truth, and uh, life. Um, so again, uh, two options, two responses to this probably are to go, no, not me, not me, not me, not me, not me, or, oh gosh, it's all of them. Again, don't be overwhelmed by it. Sit down, spend a lot of time 
being joyful about how God has created you. That original design, one of the things is to give you joy and to say, God, this is how you see me. Open my eyes so I can see how you see me. And then show me one thing that I need to work on at this time that's stopping me from living in my identity. Um, I sort of, I think, told you uh, this story already, but just to explain how this has happened and worked in my life, for those, and I'll just re repeat myself because it's the best example I've got. Um, it's the story of when I was um, uh, 18 at university, 18 or 19 at university, and uh, was uh, offered a trial to lead worship. And uh, the person, I, I was the first person to have a go, and at the end of my set, uh, the person said to me, you were rubbish, you should never do that again. His name was um, uh, Jeremy. Uh, and uh, that is a word course. That's an example of the devil taking a foothold in my life. It's somebody saying something that's not true about me, uh, and it's somebody, somebody that's taken that, and then that's built over the years into a stronghold. Um, I'll come back to... Uh, uh, the prayer in a moment, but it was in a prayer appointment that one person heard the exact words that he'd said, the other pers another person heard that God had called me to lead people in worship, despite my bum cords, um, and uh, the, third, the third person had the name Jeremy, the guy who'd said these words to me. That was prophetically revealed to me as a stronghold, and I've over the years dis uh, worked out that that word curse was the, the root of it. And I've cut that off, and it's to the point where it doesn't, that's not a thing that affects me uh, anymore. Um, another example of how uh, access points lead to strongholds, you all know, because I've told you, one of the strongholds that I continue to deal with is control. Uh, one of the strongholds we went through as a, as, a, as a church when we did the Living Free Together was control. Control came in, the access point for control came into my life uh, when my dad passed away uh, when I was 10, uh, and I was the only man in the house left with a, a slightly older sister and my mum, both of whom fell apart at the death of my, of my dad, and I had to bundle them together at the age of 10 or 11 uh, and take control of that situation. So that's an example of trauma, uh, essentially. Uh, causing a, an access point that's led to the stronghold of control. Now, control's a really good one. I was chatting to somebody about this the other day. Control's a really good one because, actually, there is a difference between control and authority. Uh, because I am a vicar, in case you didn't know, uh, and, uh, and as part of that, I have specific authority, particularly in this place, uh, to do certain things, to preach, uh, to, to teach, and to do various things. I have a, a say, but actually... I have to be really careful when that authority that I have turns into uh, control. I haven't um, asked uh, the person this, if I can talk about this. I hope it's all right. Uh, she'll, she'll stare at me really evilly in a moment, in a moment if it's not. Uh, but earlier this week, an example is our church website, uh, which I um, got involved with when I arrived because I really like making things better. Um, and actually, um, I w worked with the people that we uh, have in the team here to make the website what it is now. Uh, but my control wants to control every element of that website for t continuing to today. Um, and every part of me goes, no, I want to make sure that's, and I want to do that, and I want to do that, and I want to do that. 
And that's not my job. That's not what I'm here to do. Um, that's the, there are better people on our staff team to do that who are doing it. Uh, and so that's me using my authority slightly wrongly, actually, as well. So what I have had to do is to do with that stronghold is the five R's, if you remember them, which were uh, recognize, which I've done, uh, repent, which I've done, receive forgiveness, which I've done, rebuke the spirit of control in my life, which I've done, and realign. The fifth one with that means that when I get an email now about the website asking me a question, I just reply, as I did on Monday, and say, I'm really sorry, I'm not going to get involved in this, I'll let other people do it. That sounds like I'm being passive, but actually what I'm doing is I'm saying, actually, I'm walking in the opposite spirit to that control um, stronghold in my life. I'm recognizing it at work, and I'm walking in the opposite spirit to it. Uh, does that make sense? I'm hoping that's a helpful understanding of how strongholds take root um, and uh, can uh, affect our lives. Uh, you can say yes and save yourselves five minutes of talk uh, by telling me if I've shown you this before. Can you just put the Jahari window? <laughs> Somebody said yes very quickly there, Judith. It's a bit naughty. Uh, did I talk about the Jahari window with you when we did Living Free? I'm getting no's. I mentioned it. Okay, this is the Jahari window. Um, it sounds Eastern and mystical. It's by uh, Jones and Harris. Uh, Joe Hari, Joe Harry, uh, Joe Hari, Joe Harry uh, Windows. It's not mystical, it's a psychological tool. It's used for all sorts of things. I find this particularly helpful uh, for strongholds. There are four areas in our lives uh, where there will be strongholds at play. The first one is things that are known to us and things that are known to everybody else. Uh, control is one of those things for me. I, for Christmas, uh, I, I talked about this when I did Living Free, I'm sure, with the control. Um, the, the plaque that Jess bought me that said, um, uh, what did it say? It's completely gone out of my head. Anyway, the plaque. Anyway, whatever it was that the plaque said, it's gone out of my head because I've now, for Christmas, without them knowing I told you that, from my, my mum and my wife, without them talking to each other and without them knowing that, my mum bought me a placemat that said, I would agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. Um, and my, my wife... <laughs> And my wife bought me a mug that said, I'm not bossy, I just have better ideas. Um, so <laughs> control is definitely still something that I deal with, as I've talked about, and it's something that I know about and you know about. You see that in uh, my life. There will be other things uh, that you see uh, that I don't see. And for a while, control was one of those things in my life. It, was, it took things like that plaque from my wife uh, to, to, to make me realize that this was something I needed to deal with. There'll be things in our lives that we know about um, that no one else sees, strongholds that we're dealing with that we don't share with other people and that no one else uh, can do. All three of those are relatively easy for us to find in here and to work through and to understand. Um, and so one of the reasons why we don't move on to the fourth one, which I'll come to in a second, is because there's a whole heap of stuff going on, I suspect, in every one of our lives, as there are in mine, that we can get on with in order to be living free, living freer. The fourth one are strongholds which we don't know about ourselves and no one else knows about. Worship leading was one of the, or the, 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 the word curse that came against me was one of those uh, for me. I wasn't, I just took it as yeah, I'm all right. I'm rubbish at leading worship. That's fine. Uh, it doesn't matter, and I won't do it again. Um, that, was a, that was hidden from me, and no one else would have known uh, that possibly that was something for me. If to reveal the fourth one, we need the prophetic insight uh, of God. Uh, that's the way we will find those for, that fourth one out. That's what happened to me. That's what's happened to uh, other people. Uh, 
At the moment, we're not offering that prayer here uh, because the team we've got doing it, we've got uh, 12, 15 people on our Hearing God's Voice, on our um, prayer ministry team for doing Living Free stuff, uh, but aren't yet at the point where we're doing that here. Um, and there is so much we can be doing in the other three windows uh, that actually the fourth one we don't need to worry about uh, for the moment. If, however, you really want somebody to pray for you with this, um, then there are churches nearby, well, nearby, uh, Amersham and Bristol and London, so, you know, within two hours, um, who have regular days in the week that they have appointments available. You can go and meet with somebody and they will pray for you. Uh, if we... Uh, if there's not too many people, we can do that for you here. But actually, the first thing I would ask, and I don't ask you to do that anytime soon, is actually to spend some time on the other three windows, particularly the ones uh, that you know yourself, uh, uh, the ones that you know and everyone knows and you know and no one knows. And maybe ask those who are close to you, talk to me about uh, the strongholds that you ha I have going on in my life. Uh, but we can offer that one, but um, not just yet, is what I would say. Um, in response to that. What else did I want to say? Okay. Um, I've asked the Lord, and he said there was nothing else, and I've asked Ruth, and she said there was nothing else. So whichever of those two authorities you want to take, I'm going to take as there's nothing else. Well, there is something else. There's one other thing, but there's nothing else apart from the thing that there is other else. Um, uh, that I want to do two things. Firstly, to say, if you've got questions and concerns coming out of this, uh, please do come and talk to us. Uh, we have a fantastic uh, prayer ministry team uh, headed up by some fantastic people, two of whom are sat uh, very close to me uh, here. Um, we've got the fantastic the resource of the well, as well. I, there are very few towns in this country that have got uh, a well Christian healing center in them. Be blessed by the fact that we have the well and use it. Um, and the third thing uh, I want you to really absolutely hear is please be encouraged by this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, we are to be free. We are not to be people who feel condemned. We're not locked in. We're not held captive at the end of the day. We're to be free people. Uh, and the idea of this is for us to be freer. It's not for us to sit there and go, oh, I'm so rubbish. If you feel that, I promise you it's not true. You're not. You are beautiful, wonderful people who God has created. And all of those things that have been written about you and your original design are true. And a million things uh, beside them. Um, so hear that. Please hear that. And if you don't hear that, hear it again uh, before, I go, before you go. Um, having said all of that, um, I would like us to work through insignificance together, um, which feels slightly ironic to what I've just said. Uh, the insignificant sheet that you have here is how many pages? It goes from page 13 to page seven, four pages of, no, five pages of text. Um, this is simply five pages out of these 102 pages that I have taken out because I decided that I'd just show you what's in here and work through it with us together so you know if you go home and you go to yourself, do you know what, actually, control is one of the things that I need to work on. You can find the control worksheet in here and know, uh, know what to do about that. Um, and so what I want us to do is to just have a moment of quiet uh, looking at this insignificant worksheet, particularly at the beginning page, bottom of page 13, um, 
and then going over to 14. Actually, do you know what? Read through 13, 14, and 15, and just see if there are things in there, indeed 16, um, that you go, do you know what? That's true of me. Um, and just see if there are things. You might want to tick them. You might want to tick them out on, on the paper. You might want to just tick them uh, in your head. I'm going to give you, because there's four pages of text, I'm going to give you uh, three or four minutes to do that, maybe slightly longer. Okay, it doesn't matter if you've not quite finished. Um, we're going to pray the prayer together on uh, page 17 uh, in two different ways. So the first prayer, I'm just going to pray um, and then uh, I'm going to get us to, so you just say the words after me in your heart uh, for the first prayer and then we'll say the rest all together but just that first one just say the words in your heart after me so Jesus I ask forgiveness for every way that insignificance has affected my life and the lives of those around me I ask your forgiveness specifically for these things and uh, just in this next moment or two of quiet, just once again, cast your eye over the ones that you've ticked mentally in your mind and ask God's forgiveness for them, for the believing the truth of them. doesn't matter if you've not come to the end, you can do this again at home if you need to. These words from Psalm 50, uh, 51. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Lord, we thank you that there is nothing that we can do to separate us from your love. We turn in repentance to you, committing ourselves to breaking the patterns of insignificance in our lives. And we ask that you would speak to us afresh. We thank you that your word says we are forgiven. That we are chosen and loved by you. Will you stand with me, please, if you're able? We're going to say these uh, next four prayers together. So let's first of all receive the Lord's forgiveness. Let's say this together. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive the promise that you will renew my mind and heart into your image. Let's rebuke. In Jesus' name and authority, I rebuke you, spirit of insignificance. I rebuke every spirit that has been given a foothold in my life due to the stronghold of significance. I command in Jesus' name every spirit that would lie to me about who God is and what he says about me to go to the feet of Jesus. Realign. I realign my life and my heart to listen to the Holy Spirit, to obey him and to confront and overcome insignificance at every point, seeking first and foremost to please God and I replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of who God is and what he says of me. Now just look at those uh, eight or ten scriptures just below and just choose one um, and say it in your heart quietly over and over to the Lord. Um, listen to the Father for his words to you affirm you as his child, as a man or woman of God and as a warrior for Christ. 
John had a picture he's just shared with me of a window with thick curtains, dusty and dirty, taken down. Their neck curtains, grey and dusty, taken down. Then the window frame, glass, dirty on the insides, cleaned. And then stood back and admired and look at the clean window. This is the new life that we have in Christ, putting off the old and seeing life afresh. When we see life afresh, Jesus just doesn't want us to see us afresh. He wants to, to work through us afresh. When you look at that window, you look through it, beyond it, into his radiant presence. By growing more in his love, by removing those dusty old curtains, by removing and cleaning those windows, we're seeing more of him and seeing more of his radiant presence in our lives. Lord, that is our prayer that we would know more of your presence in our lives. So Lord, would you speak to us as we go from this place? Would you protect us from any lives of the evil one, any condemnation of the evil one? Would you continue to speak truth? Would you continue to help us to know you as the way, the truth, and the life? Would you help us to see clearly, to see us as you see us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Now you can sit down if you like. Um, I've drawn to a close of the things that I wanted to say uh, this evening. Just one thing, I couldn't find a place to bring this in after he said it to me, so I'm just going to say it now. Um, just as I sat down as we were praying, I did this rejection stronghold sheet on Monday, so I'd already prayed through it this week fairly quickly. Anyway, so I, knew, so I actually just said to the Lord, is there anything else? And I just sense that possibly somebody here has heard me say, particularly about the generational sin stuff uh, and some other things, has heard that as me saying, you're not ready for this in some way, or that I'm holding something back from you and the prayer appoints I'm holding. That is absolutely not what I'm doing. Um, uh, in, in the terms of the generational sin stuff, I would want to spend about an hour and a half properly teaching into that and I didn't want to do that this evening and overwhelm what we've already had quite a lot of detail on equally the prayer appointments it's just that we don't yet have the teams in place to do that here um, and uh, we will have that uh, and, and again there's so much other stuff for us to be getting on with um, the well does have, if generational prayer particularly is something you're interested in, the well does do generational prayer and you can book an appointment with them evenings and weekends I think as well as, as during the day so that could be an option um, but yeah, so don't hear me saying I'm not giving you this for some and for a reason any other than practical. I didn't want to spend another. Hour, I didn't want you here till 11 o'clock while I teach you about generational sin, um, because uh, I also didn't want to learn about generational sin enough to teach you for an hour and a half about it. <laughs> um, so, no, that's not true. Because uh, no, but yes, you know what I mean. I didn't want. Uh, there's enough for you to for us to be getting on with. There's enough for me to be getting on with for the rest of my life here beyond what there is. So I'm sure there is some things here. And if you want to talk about it specifically, then do chat to me or Ruth. But lastly, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a real um, encouragement uh, to me to come. Uh, 
Uh, I was, we were uh, with Alison, Ruth, and Andrea. We were at a, a retreat for uh, Jesus Ministry, which is the sort of overriding, overarching ministry for living free uh, with other churches. And I was just talking to a lot of them about how encouraging it is here that people are coming to living free. Uh, we've had 70 at the first, 80, uh, 80 at the first, 70 at the second. People, you feel, it feels like you want to, you're, you're, you're interested in this, and it's a real encouragement that you not only come, but you continue to come. Uh, and so I'm really grateful to that, that you don't hear me speak. Uh, Andrea wants to say. Quite right. Yeah. 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 That's very true, very true. So they're just saying that just don't be overwhelmed. And as I say, I, I each, each week say, Lord, is there something particularly you want to talk to me about this week? So do that if you do nothing else. Let me pray a blessing over us before we go. Lord, I thank you so much that you do love us uh, deeply, uh, that we are made in your image, uh, and that you designed us for freedom. And as we go from this place, we pray your protection over us, that we would know you surrounding us. We would know ourselves seated with you in the heavenly realms, know you as our king, as our Lord. And I pray the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would be with us now and always. Amen. Amen. It's a Christian gathering, so go in peace to love and serve the Lord. <laughs> in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you. <laughs>